No matter your niche, it all comes down to the fact that most will listen. Some may even take notes, but only a few will press the damn button. Join global keynote speaker and digital futurist Brian Fanzo as he brings you the secrets of those that have pressed that damn button and transformed their lives and businesses in ways that will inspire us all. Brian, over to you. Uh, without further ado, I'm just going to bring Brant in here next to me. What's up, Brant? How are you doing? How you doing, brother? Good to see you, man. Doing good, doing good. So we're going to kick this off. We're just going to jump right into the recording now. Um, for those that are watching, um, that are watching live, um, I do see that you are on there. I will see your, your comments coming in. Um, we are recording it for the podcast itself, but I will uh, happily highlight or uh, answer any questions um, you guys might have. We'll talk a little bit about the book and such um, as well, which will be... Uh, a heck of a lot of fun, but um, with that being said, okay. So um, for those, you know, for those that don't know, Brand, if you if you follow me in the last like four months or so, uh, Brand has probably been the person I've talked to the most uh, on Zoom uh, since uh, we kind of went from uh, full time professional speakers to unemployed professional speakers uh, and and virtual keynote speakers. Uh, but before that all happened, uh, we've been friends for a good while. We uh, part of a mastermind together, traveled some of the places together. I was actually a guest on episode four of uh, your podcast that Brand hosts, and I'll talk a little bit about that as we go. Um, and a big piece of this for those like, that are tuning in, you're not sure if you want... Like, I, I told Brand this pre-show, like, I have not read a book cover to cover in a long time. I read some audiobooks or listened to audiobooks. Cover to cover, I have the advanced reading copy of Brant's new book. And there's a reason why I read it cover to cover. And it's not just the friendship we have, but uh, a lot of his story, a lot of the way it's written. Um, and it's inspiring me to even rethink how I even think about books. Um, but for those that, you know, I, we are broadcasting live here using uh, restream.io. We're using the live studio. So I just sent Brant a link. He was able to jump in here live. We can have up to 10 guests. We can, you know, do a couple different fun things with the, the different tools here with Restream. Uh, they are a proud sponsor of this show. I'm using Restream for all of the broadcasts. Um, go ahead and check out the link in the bio. Uh, we are going to have uh, from that link a special code for those that are signing up for Restream.io. We are broadcasting on Twitch, YouTube, LinkedIn Live, Facebook Live, Periscope, um, and all those uh, great places that are out there. So um, thanks, Restream, for, for sponsoring. Guys, uh, make sure you check them out. So with you know, streaming with the world we're going in, um, Brant, you are in the middle of book launch time. And for some of our listeners, it's going to be like book launch day whenever um, this is dropping out there. So I think before I even get into some of your backstory and some of the things that I, I'm really inspired by, what is what is what is your world like right now? Are you fielding phone calls? Are you worrying about like are you still doing some like last minute things around the book? I know I was part of the the launch group, but give us a little like taste into your world at this moment. Uh, yeah, a one legged man in an ass kicking contest, right? That's that's what I'm at right now. It is so much going on. You know, uh, Smith Publicity is sort of heading all the publicity for the uh for the book and so it's just been one of these scenarios that 
they have article requests, they have podcast requests, they have interview requests, they have TV requests. And so it's just, you say yes to everything that you possibly can. And uh, hopefully people hear about the book and want to know more. And so, you know, that's been just sort of curating and crafting the messaging. Um, you know, there's a lot of different takeaways from the book. And so depending upon the platform that I'm on, uh, we sort of tweak which road we go down. But for the most part, man, it's it's super exciting. Super excited. Uh, you know, and I'm super excited for you. And it's kind of fun. Like I talk a lot about, you know, on social media, live video, things that we're doing, um, giving people access into who you are, what you're doing really just strengthens everything. Right. And I can tell you like, I'm excited for your book launch because of the access you've provided me, you know, as a friend, but also, you know, fellow speaker. I'm also part of this awesome uh, book launch that we're actually going to discuss, you know, for anyone that's out there right now thinking about virtual community, virtual conversations, but I even think more so virtual masterminds where you're giving homework and, and putting ownership on people to take actions when they're not even on a Zoom or out there. Uh, Brand, you've done a killer job, in my opinion, um, putting that out there. And so we're going to talk that um, you know, as we go. But you know, you are a rock star, a legit rock star, not just a rock star in a uh, figurative name. So give us a little like Brant, like post teenagers years, what was like, what was that life like? What were you doing? What was the things that were driving um, you in different directions? I know each time we've hung out, I feel like I've learned something new about your past. That was like, sure. you've done that too. So give us a little bit of that background. Sure. So, you know, I grew up uh, in Manchester, New Hampshire, and uh, I was a sports guy, right? So I, I played four different sports in high school. Uh, baseball was sort of my my main sport. It was my only life goal was to play professional baseball. Uh, was headed well down that path until I got hurt. I was a pitcher. And so I ended up uh, no, no one wants to talk to you when you go to bad wing. And so that's, that's sort of what happened. Uh, still managed to play a year and a half in college uh, before my arm just sort of quit on me. But uh, yeah, that was my main goal. That's sort of where my competitiveness was born. And uh, everything I have done since then, right? So like you're talking maybe 18, 19 years old has been to try to replicate the feeling I would get when I stood on the mound with the ball, right? And so music was the next logical thing. It wasn't a plan. It just sort of happened. And uh, so before you know it, at 30, at the ripe old age of 30 years old, I decide I'm going to be a rock star, which was just an idiot decision at 30 years old. Or a genius one. I think, I think there's lots of people out there that are uh, in that space of like, you know, it's never too late. And you don't know when it's good time or bad time, right? I, I, I used to have a sticky note on my desk for the longest time that said Gary V started Wine Library TV at 35 because it was like that reminder. Like, you know, we oftentimes in the marketing space, they put him on like this yes. pedestal of craziness. And it's like, yeah, like eight years ago is when he started that. So I so, yeah. So how did that look? How did that rock star journey at 30? Um, you know, how did that how did that all kind of uh, spin into you know, to be honest with you, at the time I was the vice president of business development for uh, the largest commercial collection agency in the world, uh, making a really, really good living and ended up with this, uh, I felt this calling is all I could describe it as, uh, to do music. Uh, and it started in music ministry. And um, that sort of sent me down this path. I, I made this this deal, this foolish deal with God. And I said, listen, if you can find a way for me to pay for all my stuff, I will go and do this for you. Uh, and then my 
company was acquired and I was let go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, that be careful what you ask for. Right. And so, um, moved to New Hampshire, try to get my leg back underneath me with the family and, uh, saved for, about a year, sold the house, took that money, a little nest egg, and went out and started to perform in coffee houses and churches and that sort of thing. And then it ended up coming, uh, I had success that I didn't expect. And so ended up meeting up with a guy named JT Keel a few years later, who became my guitar player. And we went on to form a band called Port Pastor, signed our first major record deal and uh, did that for three years. And then, uh, we sort of released solo projects, took a break for a minute, left our record deal, came back in 2009 and formed Big Kettle Drum with JT again and uh, toured for another 10 years. So that's, that's sort of what happened. And that was the transition from there to sort of preaching for uh, about uh, six years. Uh, and that led me to the, from the pulpit to the platform to just sort of speak and uh, that's what I've been doing really for the last six years or so is, is full-time speaking. So, you know, I love this, you know, on this show, one of the things I really love is like for me, press the damn button um, as a whole was never just about video. It was more about telling your story. And I believe like, you know, putting yourself out there and, and everyone kind of has different roles. Some people introvert, extrovert, some people spotlight, not spotlight. Some people discover early. Um, I was a catcher and, and uh, baseball was my number one love. I, uh, my dreams, you know, Arizona state came out um, to recruit uh, at my high school for my sophomore year. The pitcher I was uh, catching was getting recruited and playing for the, uh, Oakland athletics. Um, and like in a weird long story on that, um, I ended up, you know, three knee surgeries playing catcher. You know, that's kind of how ours works. You guys have elbow and arm problems. I have, uh, you know, knee problems, uh, moved to third base at my high school and actually didn't make the team because this kid named Ryan Zimmerman, who anyone that follows baseball now, it happened to be the star of the Washington nationals for the last, you know, 12 years, um, you know, it was playing there, but you know, I, one of the things that I love, you know, and where I like to kind of take these different stories is you're, you're the pitcher spotlight ball in the hand, make it or break it. Like pitcher gets all the glory and all the hate, hate right? Much like a, a quarterback in, in baseball, you went, you know, you have the rock star life where, you know, Hey, I am, you know, the musician and I am, I am a music fan of all genres because I am musically challenged in the art of playing music. We've actually, you and I have actually talked about this called late nights. Um, you guys kind of giving me a little tips on the guitar, which maybe I have to um, experiment, you know, and then some preacher and now on stage. But I think throughout that, there's, you know, there's a journey of discovery of who you are, how that all came out. And, you know, for those, you know, I didn't really give your full bio because I like to kind of drip it in, but I love the byline of your book. And I want to, I want to tie like that into those early days because unleashing the extraordinary, awe-inspiring, undiscovered you. And for many, you're like, wait a second, you were the pitcher? You were a rock star? You were a pastor? You're what? I mean, top 10 motivational speakers in the world. I mean, like, like undiscovered you, like when did, when did Brant become the discovered you in Brant's mind? I'm curious, how did that go in you? Because I love, I love how you take that story in the book, but I'm yeah. curious for our yeah. listeners, how did that, you know, how did you kind of grow into that? So that it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I would say I finally discovered who I really was. Uh, you know, this is going to sound like a total D bag thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you're good at one thing, um, it's pretty easy to, to, to know what you're good at and to just focus there if you want, and that becomes your career or what you want to do. But if, if you're good at 
a couple of different things, sometimes it's hard to choose what you want to do. And so oftentimes we chase what's going to pay us the most or give us the most amount of recognition or, you know, feed whatever ego we want us to feed. But it doesn't really mean that you've discovered who you really are. And so it took uh, going through a horrific experience with my oldest son uh, when he was 14, he was diagnosed with a rare blood cancer and we were forced into the hospital. He needed a bone marrow transplant. So we ended up being there about 263 straight days uh, with him battling. And so it was during that process that I really figured out that I didn't know shit about myself. Um, and I allowed my emotions to really drive my decision-making at that time. And I made some horrendous decisions and, uh, it took sort of going through that and coming out the other side to decide that I was done winging it with my life and I needed to start to live with deliberate intention, but I didn't quite know how to do that. And that's sort of what the journey of the book uh, documents. It talks about this idea that I have had and what has helped me transform my life into what it is today. And now you kind of glossed over, and I think we'll go into a little bit more. And this, you know, for uh, Brandon and I are good friends, and I, I've actually got to hear you do virtual keynotes, uh, podcast interviews. Our friend, a good friend, LGO, who her book is over my left shoulder right there, Limitless, uh, is uh, for those that, yeah, there you go. Yours, see, look at that. We're giving all kinds of love. Actually, there she is. Love we'll, we'll, yeah. There we go. We've got some limitless love to fellow authors here. Um, she jumped in. So thanks. Uh, I see that. And I hopefully fixed the slight echo that uh, apparently was coming through my microphone. Um, but, um, you know, just for, you know, for the audience, you know, like I'm an emotional guy. I, I've never really hidden that. Um, I, you know, there's a podcast episode that a lot of people will quote where I talk about, like, I can't watch undercover boss, the TV show, because I cry at the end of that show every time, just like the ability to impact people's lives. Um, and for me, like for the last four months of COVID, right. Since uh, early March, um, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster of emotions and life and, and, I can honestly say, you know, listening to your, you tell a story about, you know, a lot of the things that went on, I've cried my eyes out multiple times. And uh, earlier, uh, my, my partner, Jennifer, was doing her live show and I was kind of preparing and going things over here. And I kept kind of like being like, well, how do I, how do I get Brant to talk this story to my audience? Um, and me like, you know, kind of take it in a path that I think that I was really interesting. And so I was doing some Googling of, uh, you know, your story with your son and, you know, the viral video that, that, that spawned upon that. But I, I think I would, you know, I think for our audience, like, you know, it helped you kind of find, find out who you were. So rather than starting the story forward, which I think I've heard, I would love to hear the story backwards a little bit from like where you're at now and kind of walk back to how that kind of, you know, was kind of started a lot to do with, um, you know, your son being sick and, you know, um, and, you know, some of the things that you had to go through there. Yeah. So January of 2019, I started to live my life with deliberate intention. Um, I started to be incredibly specific with the actions that I took. And so what ended up happening was, um, there's these things that I call your black sheep values. I was 47 years old when I finally found out the truth as to why black sheep are not, uh, valued like the rest of the flock by farmers. I had no idea, even though I, I've, I have felt like a black sheep for a lot of my life uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, for me, 
when I found out the real reason, it sort of took a massive burden away from me. And I realized, you know, for the last couple hundred years, we've just had it wrong. And so the interesting part of the story is that the reason that black sheep aren't valued like the rest of the flock is that a black sheep's wool cannot be dyed. So in fact, every black sheep is 100% authentically original. Well, that is my goal in life is to just be who I was uniquely created to be that authentic original. And so what I started to understand is that we all possess these, what I call black sheep values. These are the deeply held personal core values that no matter what someone says to you, no matter how much they want to try to influence you or sway you, you simply won't be changed uh, just like a black sheep's wool. It is what it is. And so I started on this journey to discover what my black sheep values were. What I discovered is we, most of us have what I call a flock of five, right? These are the five unchangeable, undiable uh, values that we all possess. And uh, I happen to have six. Uh, I'm a rock star. So we do everything to excess. I needed an extra. <laughs> and so for me, my black sheep values, creativity, hope, impact, empathy, family, authenticity, those are the six things that I use to filter every decision I make in my life. So it wasn't just about discovering what they were that changed my life. Uh, that got me on the path. But then I had to prove that they were actually mine. And uh, so I went through this process that I've since labeled counting sheep. And um, at the end of each day, I would go through my day and I would search for proof that these things that I say matter most to me actually exist. And what I found was that some of them were nowhere to be found. And that's what I've realized over the last couple of years of doing this work is that, you know, this is a, uh, sometimes we spend so much time forecasting who we want to be that we don't actually take a look at who we actually are. And this is probably, a, a you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of this book launch. We've got 40 people on the book launch team, Brian, that you've been a part of and, and, Here's the one thing that I that I realized that came out of that group even recently that and we can take it back. The interesting piece for me was um I do a lot of work with people who don't like themselves for whatever particular reason. And what I've come to realize is that if you don't know who you really are, how do you know the person you don't like is actually you? Mm. What I what I have found is that the person that most people don't like aren't them at all. They're who they project themselves to be. And so we have to back up in order to move forward. And so, you know, discovering these things of who you really are requires some, some deep work and some proof. Um, I don't want to know who you believe you are. I want to see proof of who you actually are. And so that's what the tracking does. And so we do that for several weeks. We get a good idea of the things that truly matter to us. We make some adjustments. We switch here and there to words that just are a better fit. And then we get to speak them into existence. We get to choose when and where they appear in our lives. And so we look at our calendar every day and we start to write in our black sheep values next to our appointments. We start to schedule how we're going to feed our sheep. And I started that in January, 2019. And within six months, I went from speaking maybe 20, 25 times a year to 70. Um, my fees tripled. 
I, I, you, you mentioned I got named one of the top 10 motivational speakers uh, alongside Amy Cuddy and Jack Nicholas and Magic Johnson and these incredible people who have done incredible things. And, and my initial reaction was like, what the hell am I doing on that list? I, I have no idea how I made that list. And the more that I thought about it, it, it hit me is that as incredible as all those people are, as much as we all know all of their accomplishments, as rare as that is, so is it as rare for someone who actually knows what they really care about and are living that out. And so that's why I'm on that list is because it's a fraction of a fraction of a percentage of people who can tell me what their life's purpose is in one sentence, who can tell me what their five black sheep values are without having to think. Um, when you own it at that level, it changes what's possible and it allows for the transformation that I now have experienced and continue to experience. And the doors that are opening for me now are, you know, we're looking at a level that, that is, is insane. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I, you know, my goal is to be in that Brene conversation and that Simon Sinek conversation and that Gary V conversation. Um, and that's a pretty, that's, a, that's what we like to call a stretch goal, <laughs> but, but it's not all that crazy because the truth is hardly anyone is living on purpose. And, and if you are, it is a competitive advantage, advantage of like astronomical proportions. So I'm curious. So, um, you know, when your son got sick and you're kind of, you had this, I'm curious. So like from my standpoint, I, I had, I tell this story a lot in throughout mine is like, I figured out where like I was going wrong online when I was trying to tell the story I thought others wanted to hear and not telling my story. But I've also been talking about the last four, almost five years for me since being separated, where I learned the difference between being self-confident and being self-aware. And that was a very hard journey for me, um, especially being someone that has always kind of put myself out there. But, you know, being self-aware, not only of what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, um, but what mattered. And one of the things I feel like a mistake that I made, and I'm curious just how you think about this, it will kind of go big picture and come back. Sure. One of the things I feel like, you know, I was not a good good student in school at all. Like, I mean, let's just say like, I mean, I when I, senior, junior year in high school, like my guidance counselor was like, where do you want to do after school? And I was like, college. And he was laughing, like fell off his chair laughing. And <laughs> before anybody right. gets mad at the guidance counselor, like he was a very close family friend, went to my 16th birthday party, went to my 21st birthday party. He became a really good friend. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but Part of it was like, and I, you know, he was like, he was like, wait a second, like you, you love school, but you don't go to class. And a lot of these theses, but a big thing for me was always that question of what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and like, weirdly, I felt like in like two, like 2006, like three years after graduating college, um, that I felt like I found it, right. Like oh, computers and like, and I shaped a lot of my decisions based on what I thought I finally wanted to be when I grew up. Mm -hmm. And then every decision I made that was drastic in, uh, you know, that surprised most people, people would be like, Brian, you're not, go you're not doing what you said. It was your piece. And it took me 10 years to realize that I was the thing I thought I wanted to be was wrong because like, I mean, I, I left the government job I was at one of the places. So I'm curious, you know, as you look at someone like me, right, where you look at, you said, cause you work with a lot of people that, you know, are either aren't happy with themselves, aren't you know, trying to figure that out sure. I'm, the, I'm the flip of it, right? Like let's, yeah. let's go on the flip where yeah. I'm confident. Like the thing that yeah. has been my strongest thing in life is I'm unapologetically myself. Uh -huh. You take it or leave it, but being unapologetically yourself and 
knowing what those core values are was a shell shocker for me in this book because, um, and I put this up there for those who are watching the live stream. If you're watching um, on the podcast, I'll make sure to include this in the in the show notes. But uh, Brand has a worksheet, um, a really cool worksheet up on his website. Uh, it's worksheet.findyourblacksheep.com. Um, and it's going to help have you choose a bunch of things and, and go through this very cool process of like filtering down your world. Um, I will admit I've done it like like eight times because I kept going like, wait a second, like how do I get this wrong? But one of the things I've learned and really appreciated in the the book group that I'm a part of with you and how you do it in the book is this idea of what you believe is one thing, what Mm -hmm. you think at the moment is one thing, what you're actually implementing on a daily basis is a whole nother other thing. So when you look at someone like me, Sure. Where is usually the gap? Like an audience that might be like identifying, hey, like I'm I'm confident. I feel like you know I'm, I'm on the right path. Where is that? Like where are they either missing out or things that they have to re-examine? So I'll, I'll answer that with two specific things. One is that when most of us think of a black sheep, we think of someone who's been outcast. You know that that goth kid in high school, the 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 person who listens to the weird music, the you know whatever whatever it might be. But the truth that I found in, when I was researching for the book is that uh, for every person that is that stereotypical um, idea of what a black sheep is, there is someone who has been so incredibly successful that they've outpaced everyone. And have become a black sheep due to their success. Um, it's the you know it's the the Jeff Bezos, it's the Elon Musk's, it's these people who have outpaced everyone and have become a black sheep because of their success. And so, what I will tell you is, for someone who has all of the attributes to be confident in what they do and and sort of approach things in that way, you have the confidence to be intentional, but you aren't being deliberate with your intention. And so there's a big difference between those two things. And so the way that I like to do it is I look at it like um, it's sort of like a, a, a personal GPS for your brain. Okay. So if you tell me that this is your goal and you state it out loud, you set that destination, right? When you set that destination, um, if you did it in a car and you said, here's the place I want to arrive, when you get off course, what does the car do? starts yelling at you, right? Whoa, 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 where are you going? You told me you wanted to go over here. What are you doing right now? And sort of, it sort of pushes us back to the path that we said we wanted to be on. And so the, the, the difference of this is when you act with deliberate intention, you are making every turn on purpose. You are taking a path on purpose. And when I say on purpose, I mean in alignment with your purpose. It's not just about being intentional. Because you can be intentional, but it's never going to get it done until you start to act with these deliberate intention actions that allow us to really have control over our lives. And that's that's was the big learn for me. You know, I'm a control freak, like to the tenth degree. Um, and and for me, it became this this uh, real hard thing for me to process when I finally understood that I don't control outcomes. Uh, And part of what made it so difficult for me to grasp is because my entire corporate life, I was only promoted because of outcomes. 
Mm. No one gave a shit about how right. I came to the decision that I made. They just cared about the results that I got. But when I looked at the science, the science tells you that that's called outcome bias. You can't use an outcome to determine whether or not a decision was good or bad. That's That doesn't work that way. We have to control the deliberate intention that goes into making the decision. And that's the best we can do. That's the only way to influence an outcome, but you can't control the outcome. And so the control freak me was like, what do you mean I can't control the outcomes? I've been promoted my whole life. Well, It really wasn't that case. And that's why companies struggle is because they promote people based on an outcome that could be making horrible decisions. And it ends up ruining the culture of the organization because everybody around them goes, that man, that woman is making horrendous decisions and she just got promoted or he just got promoted. And it's one of those things that's like, you have to look at how they came to the decisions that they made. And that is how you know that their values align with your organizational values. And those are the people who should be promoted because they have the best interest of the organization at heart. And so that's the thing that often gets overlooked. That was one of the hardest things for me to accept was that I that I couldn't control an outcome. And so I started to redefine what a good decision was. And so for me, a good decision is one that is born out of these black sheep values. It gathers all of the um, facts that we can get our hands on in the moment, but it also honors how we're feeling in the moment. Doesn't mean it resolves how I'm feeling, but it honors and says, man, if you if you feel a little uneasy about that, I'm going to recognize that you feel uneasy about that. And when you do that, you allow this healthy tension to exist where either side is not trying to win the tug of war, right? So you've got your, your values on one side that says, no, no, honor me, honor me. And on the other side, you have your feelings who are like, you need to just do what I want to do. And I need to be here and you need to recognize me. And so the way we keep the healthy tension is to recognize that both exists and that keeps us in the present. And so for me, I spend most of my time fighting to stay present instead of being pulled to the future where anxiety lives or pulled to the past where I'm depressed over decisions that I can't change. Um, My whole focus is to try to stay present because that's where my black sheep live. Black sheep don't live in the future. I love this. And I usually save pressing your button solo later, but I'm going to press back on something real quick because part of me um, as the not good student, all of a sudden I felt like he's asking me to show my work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ooh. And then the other part of me was, um, you know, I managed my, the first team that I managed, like we grew a team of 32 employees. And one of our big things was we are all remote. And this is like 2006 to 2012. So like before remote was cool or even had a word of work from home, we just had a remote team and we were traveling a lot. And I built like a lot of what my trust with my team was built on the outcome being what I was focused on with them. And a lot of it was, I'm not going to micromanage you. I'm not going to tell you how many hours of work you produce this and you execute on this. We're going to take that. Now, I will say, as you were saying that, one of the things we did work hard on was, you know, allowing them to work that way based on the outcomes was good. We didn't promote that way, right? Like we didn't definitely didn't promote that way. But how do you look at that? And I think for a lot of people right now, you know, out of sight, out of mind is something that should be on every person's uh, you know, purview yeah. right now. If it is not, it is something that, you know, for me, I've worked from home 13 of my 17 years of career, right? So like yeah. I, I've always been very deliberate in, and I even have it. So this started in 2006. I had a, a, a calendar notification still on there Wednesdays at 4 p.m. And the calendar just says, walk the third floor. 
Mm-hmm. Reason was, is I was a help desk on the first floor. Yep. The execs were on the third floor. My dad taught me very early on, like, you know, be a man, person of your word. You know, they always yep. say like timing is the right thing and you have to make your own luck. And I, every Wednesday for years, I would just take the elevator up, kind of wander around, do some handshakes, but, you know, be present. And then when I worked from home, I use that time to send emails. You've probably got a text from me during that a time where I'm like, hey, man, just checking up. How's the book going? And it's because that's that piece. So I'm curious, how do you look at this world right now where we want to trust people that we mm-hmm. can't certainly see their work and all the decisions? Mm-hmm. But if we're not rewarding just based on outcome, how do we kind of shrink that you know distance, but also give people the freedom or really the things we can't control? Because virtual, you know, you, people say they're working. I mean, I... I was a bad employee. I wrote a I wrote a code back in 2005 to make my mouse move every five seconds so that my Microsoft <laughs> communicator <laughs> stayed active. So I'm, I'm I love it. Employee that like can jeopardize that. So how do you look at all that? So th- there's there's two sides that I would say that I look at this through. Um, one one of these things is is a commitment issue. Okay, and so we've been given this sort of autonomy because of remote work and all, all of these different things. How do you stay committed to doing the work? Um, what keeps you the most committed are your black sheep values. It's the things that matter most to you. That's how you stay committed. Because if you if you commit to things that aren't based in those values, it's a challenge to stay committed to them because you don't really give a shit at the end of the day. And so that that's part of the rub, right? The second part is this, you know, I think we've seen a shift um, with all of the sort of emotional intelligence work that's been out for the last, you know, four or five years, yeah. um, they've made, we've made some big progress, right? People like Brene Brown yeah. come in with vulnerability and really start to embrace that space and teach that there's more than one way to do this. And, and vulnerability is in fact, the strength, um, and her, you know, her, she is my spirit animal, uh, you know, she, we, we are aligned she, yeah, that. yeah. No right. So for me, uh, um, I look at that and I say this. I think we've made a shift from the from the golden rule to the platinum rule in, in the workspace, right? So for many, many years it was treat others how you'd want to be treated, right? But we've right. shift we've shifted to the platinum rule, which is treat others how they want to be treated. Um, which sounds awesome, but how do you know that that's how they want to be treated? For sure. When they don't know that's how they want to be treated. <laughs> Because they haven't done how to listen. We don't know how to listen to even if they if they even if they didn't know when they were telling us the other things. That's a, that's a whole another level of, of deep listening, right? Like that's interesting. it is. So one of the things that you know the the people that I work with when they're done the process and and they've discovered their flock of five, the first thing that they have to do as part of the process is to share it with everyone that's in their life. Mm-hmm. And, and what that does is when you share the things that matter most, it changes people's behavior. It literally changes how they approach you. It changes the words they choose to use when they talk to you. And so if they don't know, you can't expect the behavior change to happen. But you can expect your behavior change to happen by letting people know, here are my non-negotiables. So if you want the best of me, you know, there's a a great Foo Fighters song, Am I Getting the Best of You? Um, That Whenever I hear that, that, that's a reminder to me to say, if I want the best of someone. If, if, so, if I want someone to get the best of me, they have to know the things that matter most to me because that's going to affect my motivation, my inspiration, my willingness to stay committed. All of those things is really what it's about. And so for me, 
at the end of the day, that is, that is, um, the shift is nice, but as a leader, I feel responsible to help my people figure out what their non-negotiables are. Because once I know that, I know how to treat them. And we just look at that as a soft skill. And it's uh, if it doesn't fit a KPI, um, most organizations won't invest in that. And so I love where you went with that. I'm, I'm you know, pulling a little Brene Brown piece here because there's, a, you know, like I think part of the, the leaders that I look up to the most, um, I agree with, you know, 80% of what they're preaching. And there's about 20% that I like will, you know, kind of figure out my own way of that. And, you know, in vulnerability and, you know, that transparency thing, mm-hmm. um, it's been the only way I found success. Uh, you know, early on as I was managing, um, I wanted my employees to enjoy the freedom of working from home. And so I gave them find your friends access to my phone as the boss. And I said, you're going to see me on the golf course. You're going to see me bowling. You're going to see me, you're going to see me doing a lot of things during work hours. And that's to show you that you like, I think it's amazing. I saw one yesterday. Someone tweeted out was like, my, my number one job is trying to get my employees to take time off. And I replied back and I was like, I'm curious, how often have you taken off? I replied back dot, 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 Touche, and I was like, yeah. "It's amazing how we can we can get in that that view, right?" Like, and so for me, that transparency is important. But one of the things Brene preaches that I always kind of had a tough time figuring out. And she, for those that the the Armchair Expert podcast with Brene live with Dax Shepard is my mm-hmm. one of my favorite elements for her as she gets into this like this just this amazing vibe and she starts sharing. But she talks about when you are being vulnerable and you're sharing you know, some of the core things that believe to you, you should be methodical and keep that in a very certain circle to put it out there. Now I'm pressed the damn button. I think we should put it out there to the world. The, the only way we can be empathetic towards others is we have to give them access to us. Yeah. A lot of what you're saying is in a, in a, in a sense of that piece of like finding out our purpose. I, I also know, you know, once you put out your five or your six, you know, values, mm-hmm. And you get some pushback, right? It's very much like telling your story. Like when you start telling people like, yeah, this is what I do. And this is what I should be remembered. And they're like, yeah. I don't think you do that. Like, I know you for this, right? Like I hear that oftentimes. Sure. How do you look at that? How do you look at the the balance between being, you know, and, and I think a lot of what Bernay, the reason Bernay looks at that is like those other people shouldn't have access to your most vulnerable elements because it's only going to take up time and space in your own head that is it they they're not worth your time right and I, and I I completely see that yeah. but I think that's a that's a really interesting piece how do you look at that for you know someone putting their out their values and kind of growing in that in that discovery uh, in, in the words of Michael Port, uh, it's a yes. And right. <laughs> and so I look at this and say that, yes, I understand exactly what you're saying. So when, when it comes to our inner circle, uh, we have to make sure that the people that we allow in our inner circle are going the same direction that we're going, right? If they're not going the same direction we're going, there's just no space for them in the inner circle. There's space for them in your life, but there's not space for them in your inner circle. And so I get that that is incredibly important to to share with your inner circle who you truly are. There's a couple of challenges to that. Um, When you express to someone that here are the things that matter most to me and they go, what? I No. I wouldn't guess that. Well, that's because there's a good shot that a few of those things aren't real. Mm. And and you've given them aspirational sheep. You've given them sheep of who you want to be that live in the future, but they're not they're not showing up. They're 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 nowhere to be found. And so if you're claiming that something is real and there is no proof, 
Well, this is what I tell all of the, the people that I coach. You only need belief when there's no proof. Mm. So if you tell me these are the things that matter to me, believe me, I'm never going to believe you right. until I see proof. And so if people don't see proof, why should they believe you either? Correct. So that's part of that's part of the challenge. So right. when we do this work, out of the first five that people pick, I know two or three of them are not right yet. There's two or three that are off, you know, you just know it. You've known it since the day you were born. You can feel it. It's part of your bones. And there are two or three that just either depending upon how you grew up, depending upon sort of what your influences were, um, some of us care for other people's sheep and it's part of who we are. Yep. And we've done it for years. Maybe you were a single parent. Maybe um, you you didn't have parents. And so you had to uh, take care of your siblings or whatever that looks like. So all of a sudden you're caring for other people's sheep. Maybe you've been an elder, you have an elderly parent that you're now taking care of. Um, when I, this is what I, this is what I tell people. I have zero problem with you feeding other people's sheep, but I do not want you caring for them. When you care for other people's sheep, you're taking food away from your own. And when you don't feed your black sheep values, how can you be expected to have the energy or commitment to feed anybody else? Um, in the book I talk about, I have a friend who, who, you know, my natural sort of go-to is, is the rising tide lifts all boats. And so every time I succeed with something, um, every time I reach that next rung on the ladder, my first instinct, my first instinct is to reach down and pull whoever is down there up with me. Bring the elevator back down. Right. And that's exactly it. When you reach down before you have your footing sure, um, the only potential thing to happen is then pull you back down. And, and I've experienced it over and over and over again. And, and I finally had to come to this decision that it wasn't me being a jerk. It was me saying, if I truly want the impact that I want, if I want that transformational impact in someone's life, I have to have the platform that will allow that. So allow me to invest into myself enough to get my footing sure. So when I pull you up, it transforms your life. I don't want to pull you up and have you fall back down again. I wanted to pull you up and transform what the next months, years, weeks of your life look like. And, uh, and that was a hard lesson because the, the empathy, which is one of my black sheep values, the yep. empathy in me. Um, and I know it's the same with you, uh, makes us make decisions at times that, that speak to our heart, but they're the wrong decisions. Yep. And, and so for me, to, to be able to know that that's sort of what I have to do uh, has allowed me a little bit of grace and forgiveness with myself to not be so hard on myself to say, just wait. I'm not telling you don't reach down. I'm telling you not yet. And when I changed that conversation in my head from no to not yet, uh, I was way easier for me to deal with. Now, I'm going through that, right? Like in this moment, right? And for me, a lot of that is... And I'm curious how you would even take this. Like for me, I've learned that a lot of my fuel, a lot of my motivation, mm -hmm. um, the reason I create uh, so much content on so many platforms is my connection to uh, you know, some, some part of a people pleaser, some part of a desire to make everyone happy, right? Mm -hmm. Which I've always been told that in turn, you don't make your, you know, you, you can't make yourself happy if you're trying to make everyone happy, but that's easy to say. But then, you know, in my journey of self-awareness, there were, many places where I decided to um, help less 
or maybe be, you know, put off helping. And I found myself um, less motivated. I found myself lost. I found myself missing parts of me that give me the most joy in my life. And so when, reading your book, that was very profound to me in the idea of not yet in, you know, reaching down, being strategic in that element. Um, and I, but I also look at this, you know, in, a, in an interesting path because I often tell people like, we know Steve Jobs' uh, story, you know, being fired from his own company, Oprah Winfrey being told, Oprah Winfrey being told she'd never make it on TV, right? We, we, we Michael Jordan being cut from the high school basketball team. Yeah. One of the things I always struggled with in this new world we're living in, and I say new world in, in the sense of real time access to everything, anywhere, yes. um, you know, always. The idea that we have to wait till someone is uber successful to discover what makes them great should not be the case, right? That, that, that should right. not be the piece. And I think I overcalculate that, right? And I'm like, you know, here is the diarrhea of everything. Yes. Filter through it. I'm going to give out everything. I'm going to yep. feed all of your sheep. I have very little time to feed my sheep, but convince myself by feeding your sheep, yeah. it's best for me, it's best for you. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I took from this book, and I said earlier, for those that are doing a live stream, I saw we have, you know, Laura jumped in, uh, LGO sent comments. Uh, good friend, Justin Levy said, uh, Alice and Levine uh, introduced you two together. Um, one of my favorite things has been actually introducing Brandt to a lot of my community, because it's like a very easy connection, where it's like, you're going to love this guy, and you're going to take this forward. And so Justin, uh, excited to see that you guys um, are doing that. And so one of the things I had bookmarked in the book is that you know, purpose, it's not a mystery, it's a choice. Yeah. And I thought one of the things that that was, and I actually went and tried to find some of my old tweets, and I'll probably will find them, is that I used to say early on, like, let's say 2013, 2014, 2015, I'm building my brand, my hockey stick is, you know, on a very nice trajectory. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've said was, I stopped chasing my purpose mm -hmm. and I started embracing my passion that exists at the moment. Mm -hmm. And and that was a big, big piece for me. But I will say one of the things I feel as though that by kind of removing purpose from my own, like, you know, piece of the journey yeah. was um, I've done a lot of things in a lot of directions that aren't aligned to getting me anywhere. <laughs> right. Like, and I think that, you know, reading the book, there was multiple times where I was like, Oh man, yeah. like that is, you know, cause and you said this earlier too. Like I'm, I always say I'm the CEO of Team No Niche. Like, yeah. and for those that you know, there's an episode with Will Kern um, on this podcast. Uh, it actually just came out um, where you know Will found his niche in high school as a DJ, turned it into events in college, and it still works in event. Like literally, have had his niche and owned it, has found the riches and the niches. But you know, like, and I'm all for that. If you have it, yeah. go for it, own it, double down. If you don't. There's yeah. other ways to be successful, but one of the, that's part of the thing of, in this book. And, you know, like I said, the, the way that this reads is a lot, you know, like I don't like putting something in a self-help uh, category because yeah. I always believe like for me, I'm not someone that would sign up for self-help stuff because I sure. have like that ego, like, Hey, you know, like I'm all about like learning and listening and improving yeah. myself. And I take notes during documentaries, yeah. but call something self-help. And I'm like, no, I don't want you know, like, yes, it's definitely. Like, yeah. you know, a problem. I get it. I get but it. There was parts of this too where I found myself and I'm curious, just, you know, like, as we are in this real time world of always shifting, mm -hmm. when should, when do we know that our black sheep values should change and when they shouldn't change? And, and I'm not talking in the discovery phase. I'm talking, you know, your six, you put, you raffle off your six, mm -hmm. you know, as, as a machine, mm -hmm. but one of your steps for those that, and this is why another reason why the book is gold is that you walk through the importance of accountability and mm -hmm. identification and tracking of these things, because, what you believe and what you put in action might are going to be two different things. 
But as you look at that and we, we continue to evolve, right? Things in our lives change. How do we know when something is, hey, we're just not, we're not being deliberate enough with that purpose mm-hmm. versus, hey, that purpose is no longer aligned in where we're going. Yeah. So, you know, uh, in LGO's book, she would call this consonance. Um, this is when your what and your why are, are in alignment with each other. And so part of, uh, I'm going to go backwards and then I'll, and then I'll fast forward. So let's go back to the purpose thing for just a second. So on the purpose front, the reason that most people struggle with purpose is, is because they think they have to find it. Number one, um, when they realize that they can choose it, the next question is, well, how do I do that? Um, you know, Simon Sinek came out with his book, start with why, and it was a massive success. And, and I, you know, I, I, I always laugh. I tongue in, I tongue in cheek with him. Um, because look, he's, he's who I want to be when I grow up. You know what I mean? Right. He is, he has got all the the platform that I want to, to experience that transformative, uh, that transformative message that I want to produce. Right. And so, but that book, uh, has people confused is because you can't start with why. Um, I understand what he meant by that in yep. the book when it comes to a business and pushing things forward. But when it comes to yourself, uh, you you can't start with why. You have to start with what. What are those non-negotiables? What are those things that are the very core of who you are? Because our purpose is chosen out of those things. So for me, creativity, hope, uh, impact, family, empathy, authenticity. Those are my six. My purpose is to creatively impact others by authentically providing hope. So my purpose is loaded with all of my black sheep values. That's how I stay committed because they're aligned, right? So my what and my why are in alignment. What you're talking about is the how. And so our purpose doesn't change, but how we fulfill our purpose changes all the time. Right. So I look at the what as our values, the why is our purpose, and the how is our mission. And a mission is nothing more than a self assigned task. Right. And so our mission changes every single day with every conversation we have. And so that how is going to consistently turn itself over. That's why how you fulfilled your purpose when you were 20 looks really different than when you're 50. Um, The purpose is the same. But how you are feeding your sheep has changed dramatically. And so that is sort of the, the idea behind the book is would that- you argue, Just a moment, yeah. would you argue that if you, are, if you are feeling as though your purpose values are going to change, you probably haven't identified your values correctly? Yeah, that's ex- with 100%. That's it, right? I, I mean- the research that that I did for the book, for the most part, shows that our core values are are pretty well formed by our early twenties, right? And so, so the things that we care most about um, are part of our entire upbringing from the day that we're born. And outside of a catastrophic event or something that you know Maslow would call a peak experience, outside of something like that, um, the values are are really pretty static. Um, but we never do the deep dive to put our finger on them. 
Mm-hmm. And so, so that's part of the rub, you know, when you take this assessment, so you can go to findyourblacksheep.com, click on find your flock and take the assessment. And, and what, what the first part is, is here's 125 commonly held personal core values. Go ahead and select everyone that resonates with you. If you look at it and you go, Ooh, I like that word, go ahead and click it. Well, the average person selects over 30 words. And so when you select over 30 words, what you're saying is there are 30 things in my life that I'm going to try to honor every single day. And so you try and you fail and there's, there's no way that you can consistently honor that many things. And so because you try and you fail, you feel bad, you invite shame, you invite anxiety, you invite all these other sorts of feelings to the party because you set yourself up for failure from the very beginning. So that's why we weed it down to the five non-negotiables because that's manageable or even for me at six, that's still manageable to honor those things every single day with every action that you make. And at the end of the day, if you are able to honor those things and feed all your sheep, you've had a great day. You've actually have a sense of fulfillment that goes far beyond being happy because it's it's actually speaking to the root of who you are, the very fabric of who you are. And that to me is the difference between finding the right one that is, you know, a hundred percent, you can speak with, with, with commitment and, and uh, authority to say, this is without a doubt. And I can tell you that because here are five examples from the time I was three years old, that, that is the reason that I feel like this is it for me. Um, people don't do that work. They have an idea of what they think is important. And then they use those things um, in all the wrong ways and end up dropping the ball on their non-negotiables. And that's where we start to not like ourselves. So uh, I love where you went with this. And, and for those that, you know, when's your book, what's the release date on the book? September 29th. And look at this. Here's the finished copy. Ooh, right? Yeah, you got the not. That's the da, finished da, da. version. Ooh. All right. Look at Congratulations. that. Congratulations. Oh, yes, yeah. Yes. Even, the, even the inside. Look at that. Oh, come on. Oh, Beautiful. That's the stuff we care about. That's the stuff yes. we care about. And yes. LGO, LGO's quote right there at the very top. There she love is. It. There it is. There you go. go. Coming at you straight. I love that. That's, that, that is good stuff, my friend. Um, and so I'm going to take this in a path I really wasn't expecting to go, but okay. I love it. And it's going to be a little bit of like, hey, self-help for Brian. And uh, the audience gets to come on that journey a little bit with me. And, Great. and, and there was two things that you really jumped out at me. And one of them, you know, um, when I think about growing up, and like for me, like when you said non-negotiables, mm-hmm. the first thing that I thought of is that, like early on, I I wouldn't I was never a troublemaker. I was someone that disrupted school a lot. Mm-hmm. I have a tendency not to pay attention. I have no problem talking. Um, not not great at being. You know, I was that 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 student. Um, and I was not one to uh, get in fights per se or you know, that piece. But I have got in fights. And I always said like I had three things that that were like I am not a angry or violent person. But there are three things. That if these three are violated, mm-hmm. I, 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 bec- there's things that, you know, and it was, it was always, it was, you mess with my family, mm-hmm. you bully someone out of a place of power, mm-hmm. or you hit a female. Mm-hmm. And the first time I ever got suspended from school was someone hit a female outside of the, um, the men, the boys bathroom. And I threw him through the bathroom stall. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was, that was like, you know, like a little bit of those, like those sure. four pieces. And the, the interesting thing, as I thought of that and you were telling that story, was kind of two places I wanted to go with this. One of them being as a dad. One of the things that keeps me up at night a lot is that I believe there's a lot of things. Like, um, I have amazing parents. I was very well off. My mom and dad are my heroes, literally my heroes. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of things that I think we are learning now about ourselves and learning now about raising 
you know, humans, you know, everything from mental health. Like, and my dad's been very supportive of my, of my openness in a lot of areas that he's like, you know, you know, you know he was very much in the do your work, let your work do the talking yeah. for you. Yeah. And I'm like the guy that's doing all the talking and telling people to press the damn button, right? So, but one of the things that I was thinking of here was like as a dad, and I want someone, I don't want someone to be blinded by like that, that need or desire to be, to find your purpose and, and have it consume you as I felt like it consumed me. Just like, I didn't know what I wanted. Like, I, I didn't know what I wanted to major in college. And I was literally like, I was like, well, I want to be a sports center anchor. No research. And then I realized I could have journalism in English. And I was like, not good at that. Yeah. And like that same month, I won a fast typing contest in school. And my dad was like, what about computers? I was like, that works. Like literally that was like my, my piece of it. So I'm sure from, from like, as a dad, your dad as well, like, and as a parent, or as we look at this, when we're shaping the future generations and we're trying to help them discover who they are, right? Like, and the, that they're extraordinary elements. And I'm very blessed. Like my three daughters are so unique and they, they will oftentimes tell me like, dad, I can't believe you wear pink shoes. And I'm like, oh, you don't like I wear pink shoes? They're like, no, I love it. You wear pink shoes. I just can't believe you do it. Right. And right. It's, it's like, those things are big to me, but like, how would you, what would, would be your advice at, for parents and to kind of help us set them up to discover, but also help them avoid some of the things that we probably as children really just had to absorb. I look at life uh, for myself anyways, is sort of three different acts in, in one book. Right. So I know I'm mixing metaphors with plays and books, but I, I look at it like the first, the first act of, of my uh, story is, uh, was written by everybody but me. Right. So it's written by my parents. It's written by my community, by my family, by my, you know, you name it. Um, when you're growing up, that's just how it is for all of us. We don't really have a say. Um, so the flip side of that is as a parent now, um, it becomes really important that you figure out what matters most to you because that's going to actually help shape what matters most to your kids. Um, and so when you don't and you give them 30 things that are important to you, you're really confusing them um, because you're confused <laughs> and that's, that's just how it works. So it's part of why we want to do that work, right? The second part, uh, the second act, if you will, in the story is written, um, together in collaboration with others, right? So, so I'm now 15, 16, 17 years old. Um, I'm not old enough to be to really out on my own, maybe quite yet, but uh, at least for some of us have had to, but, but for others, you're still at home, but you're old enough to make some decisions and you're expected to make the right decisions and those sorts of things. Um, so, so as you start to make decisions together, you start to really, this is the first time in your life you've had a chance to sort of say, this is what matters most to me. Um, and so if you've done a good job in that first act, then the second act becomes super exciting. It doesn't mean that you don't get the the rub of, you know, don't tell me what to do. And, you know, we've all, if you have a parent of a teenager, you know that that's how it is. But, um, but you really, really set yourself up for a, a collaborative time in that second act. And then by the time we reach that third act, it's all us. We decide the end of the story. And so, you know, if you, if you have a good experience in that first act, then the second act sort of accelerates your ability to define these things. So by the time you hit the third act, you're off and running. For many of us, we have a shitty first act and we have some really bad experiences and that, that, 
really just makes it difficult to collaborate because you end up sort of fighting against the thing. So sometimes our black sheep values are born out of really horrible experiences. And so you have to come to terms with, with those experiences and it can slow down the process a little bit, which makes it tough to just live through and, and process and understand sort of why you care about the things that you do and that it's okay if you don't care about the same things that your parents cared about. Um, you're old enough to make those decisions on your own now, but if you've lived your whole life with them telling you, no, you're not, you're not worthy of making that decision, you're not smart enough to make that decision, then for some of us, it takes a, a really, really long time before we have the confidence to say, maybe I, maybe I'm in control of this last act of my story. Well, um, I want to jump in there real quick because yeah. I mean, I'm on the flip side of that. Right. So um, my first act was so rewarding and empowering. My parents in, like were so supportive yeah. of me being myself and like yeah. literally owning who I was Yeah. that because of that, my connection to my parents ha- giving me that. Yes. I chased what I believe they thought was best for me Yes, with, with blind hope, ambition. And you know what? I freaking got it. Right. Like I went, yeah. after, I mean, I, I owned it. I went, you know, and I found the way to make it happen. I, I yep. had, you know, the, the marriage, the, the kids, yeah. the giant job with job security, the, the, the mortgage payment, the three car garage, like literally yeah. I, I, I put it. And so for me, like that, as you were saying that, like I was 35 years old. Yeah. And we like reverse engineering a lot of my decisions individually, you know, all along this piece. And I found that for me, one of those things was, wow, like I, I, I just kind of, I put, I didn't even put them down. Like I, I didn't ask myself those purposes. Mm-hmm. You know what? My parents are amazing parents. They both are extremely successful. And I was like, you know what? I, if I can be the half that I'm cool with it. Yeah. And I, and I believe part of that was, you know, it was, it was a mistake that it was a mistake that I made. And honestly, it, um, and I'm curious, this is a great piece of this too, is that when I discovered this, I made another mistake and I abruptly terminated, made really bad decisions in, in my marriage, made decisions, bad decisions in my career, bad decisions, in my friendships. And mm-hmm. I also did it without letting people know why. Mm-hmm. And like, as I was reading that book, one of the things that really caught me off guard was, you know, as I was getting separated, uh, you know, in my divorce I, I'm a public person. I'm very transparent. And I, I, I kind of was like, you know, people know me, don't know how things are going, but they don't need to know like this dirty laundry piece, but they know me enough to know what it was. And yeah. a hard lesson was losing a majority of my best friends, a majority of my fraternity brothers. Sure. Because they didn't know. Yeah. Like I, I believe they did. I'm out going. I'm, I'm, I was yeah. the president of my fraternity, captain of the ice hockey team. Yeah. I was the guy, you're know, like, Hey, I was fun. Um, and so when I look at that, as you were talking about that, there's X, like how how do you how do you recommend? Because I think for some of people are going to read the book and they're going to realize like wow like yeah. where are these purposes and they and they might love themselves and love a lot of their life, but this is going to open up for me. One of the things was like oh my, it's like the aha of this is why not enough things have aligned yeah. to move things forward. And you know in my journey where sometimes I've been pulled back down and I'm stubborn. I'm like hey you pulled me back down and I'm gonna be pulled back up. Yeah. And having that need to be like continually going through that has grinded on me, right? It, it's yeah. it's hit me really hard. How, do you look at, how, how would you look at that? Because to me, like, holy cow, like if I read your book and I, and I, I tweeted this out, like I believe 58 pages into your book, I was sold. I said it's mm-hmm. the best book I've read on this topic mm-hmm. ever. And, and I mean that because 
what it I've I've read lots of books on this in this in the genre, and mm. a lot of it was finding it. A lot of it was like discovering and, and, and like identity identifying, mm. but not very many of them were visualizing mm-hmm. and tracking enough to like put yourself on mm-hmm. notice. And that scares me a little bit because I can tell you part of the reason that I am where I am and I haven't gone as deep with you on this as I probably should have is I'm really scared at the moment of what, what that's going to mean for me right now, I guess. Sure. So first of all, thank you for just being willing to, to admit that because it's, it's a hard thing to admit, but I'll tell you that that is, um, the first thing that needs to happen for you to get through to, to what's possible. So, so my, at the end of the day, Brian, you know, for me, um, all I care about is, is seeing people reach their full potential of, of them changing what they think is possible. Somebody at some point in their life has defined what's possible for them and it's time to rewrite what's possible. Um, they don't get that. They don't, uh, 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 LGO would tell you they haven't earned the right to do that, right? They don't get a voice in your life like that. And so the idea, the idea here is that um, a, a couple of things. I wrote down here the why do you care? So you gave us an example of a different reason of why you cared. So some people care because they don't want to have happen what happened to them. Other people care because they received so much love. They don't want to disappoint or they don't want to let anyone down, or they really want to honor and respect their parents or, or whoever raised them. And so what you just described is the transition between caring for someone else's sheep and feeding someone else's sheep. Caring requires you to, to, to literally take them into your care. They are part of your everyday life. Feeding someone else's sheep is like going to the petting zoo and saying, here's a piece of celery. You know, you do it when you're there, but it's not your, it's not required. Right. And so that shift takes, takes a lot of time. And, and when you're trying to figure this out, there's two things I want to say. One is, um, forgiveness is a must. It has to be part of the conversation. You have to know before you even start this, that if you're not willing to forgive yourself, um, this work is going to be virtually impossible, right? Um, no one's perfect. No one's perfect. The only perfect, without getting religious, the only perfect person who's ever been on this planet, we killed. So, <laughs> so you know, that's and, just and my audience goes. knows that. I, right? I literally, one of my bold standards is perfection's a fairy tale. You can't that's ever right. press the damn button. That's right. So, so here's, here's where it comes down to to me. And this is part of what you described and why it's so important that you figure out what yours are and not caring for someone else's. So, Let's go back to the sheep metaphor for a second. And this is something that I found out after I was done writing the book and it pissed me off. I remember that day. (laughs) So much because I, so, so you're getting it now uh, on the podcast because it's not in the book. In my process of promoting the book, one of the people who's on the launch team told me, Hey, did you know that sheep recognize the voice of their shepherds? And I'm like, what? That's bullshit. There's, there's no way that's true. And so I started, I started to do some research. And what I found was this. It's not that they necessarily recognize their shepherd's voice. They recognize the voice of the person feeding them. Okay. And so why is that important? Well, sheep have a short-term memory. And so the idea is if, if you are feeding your flock of five black sheep values, guess what? They are going to be right there when you need them. 
because they want more food, right? They're waiting to be fed. They recognize you when you call them. But if you're feeding someone else's sheep, if you're caring for that other sheep, guess who also shows up? Because guess who also recognizes your voice? And so this is why it's so important to figure out what yours are because they're going to show up looking too. And if empathy is one of your sheep, which I know it is my brother, you're going to feel compelled to continue to feed that other sheep every friggin' time it shows up. And it, it's going to take you making deliberate intention with your actions to make a choice to say, not yet, not no, not yet. I have to feed mine first. And when you do that, you take back control. You allow yourself to stay committed to the things that you need to stay committed to so that you can have the type of impact that you desire on your own life and everybody else that's around you. And so the fact that you're scared is is a great sign because that means you care. You care. But we need to shift from why you care, not to love and honor and respect those who brought you because that's fantastic, but but those aren't your sheep. So when we figure that out, the reason that you should care now is because this, this is how you uh, live a life of fulfillment is doing the things that matter to you, honoring the things that matter to you, removing happiness from an outcome and putting happiness on the fact that you are going to honor these things that matter most. If you do that, You have made a good decision. You can remove yourself from outcomes and results and know that you've done everything in your power to do what's best for you. Um, We just don't follow it down. You see what happens. You get a few breadcrumbs. You start to to follow the path back and then life happens and you're like, meh, I'll get back to it. Well, a week turns into a month, turns into a year, turns into a decade. And um, you are, are now 50 years old going... I still don't know what the hell I really want to do. And I don't know what I really care about. And so, you know, what, what comes back to go all the way back to sort of Brene talking about who gets to see these sorts of things. Yeah. So I lead with my black sheep values Mm -hmm. from the first time that you meet me. Um, you should experience most of them within the first two minutes of conversation with me. Um, That's with deliberate intention, right? I'm not winging it. I'm not being intentional that hopefully this is going to show up. I'm speaking them into existence. And so for me, um, the last part of the, of the farmer's story, and this is really what it comes down to is while they don't value black sheep like they do the rest of the flock, they do value them, but just in a very different way. Um, farmers keep one black sheep for every hundred white sheep in their care as a marker. So every morning a sheep farmer wakes up, they look out over their flock. If they've got 500 sheep in their care, they should see five black sheep. If they don't see five black sheep, they know something's wrong, right? It's famine, it's wolves, it's disease, it's something. But because because of their uniqueness, it allows them to stand out from the 495 other things that look exactly the same. Those are those 30 other things that you have said are super important to you in your life. But if people are continually looking, how do they know what's really you? It's the black sheep that get the first look. They get the farmer's first look every morning. And so me in my life, I want to be everybody's first look. 
When you need something, I want to be your first look. When my my family needs something, I want to be their first look. When uh, I'm working with a client and I and I want to have that trusted advisor role, I want to be their first look. Well, what gets you the first look? is leading with those black sheep values. That's why I literally have it tattooed on my arm because it's a reminder to me to say, if the first things out of my mouth are not my black sheep values, there's nothing differentiating me from the 495 other people that are trying to get your attention. I, I, I love that. And I, of course, was trying to be above average. I think I had 45 of those things. Yeah, yeah, yes. Like trying to uh, get people to uh, you know, symbolize. And you know, for those that are listening to the podcast, I know watching you know, where I, I knew this was going to be a longer episode. I was actually like, I knew Brandon and I could, and I really wanted to, you know, I think not only the book and the sense that, you know, it, it was a read that I, that I was really, you know, enjoyed and I, and it was learning, but like I said, it, it, it scared me in some pieces. It um, allowed me to identify where I was doing something right. And then did an action that was so wrong that it then, you know, it stopped me from even moving forward a little bit on that. And mm-hmm. like, even in my darkest times, because, you know, growing up, not having depression, not, I mean, I've, my parents were amazing and it wasn't until separation and, um, and a separation that I caused. And I you know was the one that wanted it to happen. You know, like I spent mornings pouring my kids cereal every morning and they weren't in my house. Yeah. Um, I slept on no bed in my room and, and yeah. made their, my daughter's beds um, what they were. And, yeah. you know, as I look at that journey for me and like that being self-aware and, and figuring out, I, you know, I started to realize that like self-love and self-time is not selfish at all. Right. And I think no. and, and LGO does a great job of talking yeah. about that in limitless. Um, I love, which I love where she went on that. I actually, um, Simon Sinek leaders eat last, uh, identifies that really well in, uh, yeah. in his book, one of the books that, um, really was profound to me. I think you know for this episode, and I think I, I'm I have kind of a cool idea that I might have to run by Brant uh, between now and the book launch or around the book launch um, uh, that I will share with the podcast audience. And I'm gonna do um, for those that are listening, you're gonna have to watch to the you're gonna have to listen to the end recap of this. I'm giving away books, uh, Brant's books, uh, to some of the listeners, so you're gonna have to stay stay for that part um, for um, that piece. But you know, one of the things that you kind of you. Know, hit home a lot and it's on your website, um, you know, in, in your podcast. Uh, and for those that, you know, looking for a great podcast, listen, thoughts that rock. I'm talking great guests. Great. I mean, a huge fan. Jim Knight um, is your co-host. Yeah. Uh, I got to hang out with the both of you together um, at once, which is literally rock star heaven. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think we spent a minute, um, the three of us without people coming over and randomly talking to us and like, <laughs> Asking first, I think what? asking if we're in a boy band, right? Like, what, what, that, anyway. <laughs> they thought oh, we were in a boy oh, band. Oh, oh. Yeah, it, that, which we, like, we didn't know how to take that. Then eventually we thought it was good. Um, so check out Thoughts That Rock. I'm on episode four. Um, and I actually tell a story on episode four that I hadn't started telling that story until this podcast episode. Um, and it's raise your hand faster than anyone else. Uh, and for those that are listening to this podcast, you probably have not heard that that story in my life um, that was has had a profound impact. So definitely check out uh, Thoughts That Rock. But Brand, you know, I think one of the things that you mentioned, and I love your authenticity and like you were pissed off when you found something not in the book that someone kind of brought to your attention. Yeah. And I also think, one of the things that that has been fun to watch as so, you know as a friend since you know the, the you know over the last two and a half years or so was you know kind of not only your emergence but like you know there's a rocket ship right there and I I'm so proud and you know I just I I love seeing great people that are doing great things get rewarded and that's what I believe the future is all about and but I have to ask from a 
as you look at this journey and you know, you're putting your black sheep out there and you tell the story of your son very well, the, the need for transparency, the more people asking for access into your life, the more people that um, maybe do a little bit of work or maybe research, does that keep you up at night? How are you, how are you looking at you as a, as a person, as a dad with your family on what are they going to see? Because I get that a lot for myself. I hear that from a lot of people and I feel like it's it's something that has to grow, but how are you looking at that as like identifying how you're going to kind of balance this as not only things kind of grow, but I mean, you're going to, I mean, you are changing people's lives, not gonna, you're already changing people's lives and it, people haven't even got the book yet. Right. I, and I, that's without question, but how, how, how are you looking at that? Are, are you preparing yourself for that? Are you, what are you putting some things in place to kind of prepare? Yeah. So, so in full transparency, my brother, um, I suck of, epic proportions of limiting access to me. Um, Which is what we talked about before the, before the episode, right? And, and I do as well, right? I, and I think it's, I can identify that in very well. Like for yeah. those that are, the, I mean, I, we were part of this book group and I missed the first week. I jumped down the second week and every person like, I mean, it was like the eighth person was like, I'm so glad Brant was able to help me accomplish that. And I wrote down a note and was like, talk to Brand about how much extra time he's giving people access to him in this group. And it was like, it was something that I saw and I was like, not only are you changing people's lives, but you are giving that. How are you, are you how are you looking at that? Cause I'm just curious. I, it's going to teach a lot of us. I have relinquished. I, and this is the honest to God truth. I have relinquished um, my decision-making power to things like that, to my inner circle. And so I have a group of people um that you know include people like yourself and Laura and and uh, Scott Stratton and and um, these people that have earned the right to speak truth into my life um, to tell me when to cut the shit and and uh, you know because here's the deal I, I I can have my family tell me that and as much as you would think that that <laughs> is is going to change my behavior um, the truth is that it's way easier to steamroll your family than yeah. it is to steamroll other people. Um, and you can and, yourself steamrolling uh, your family yeah. and get forgiven and you're like, yeah, it's a... Yeah. So I have a few, I have a very, very, for as much as my life is in the public eye, um, I have a very tight, tight circle of, of people that I can count on, on less than two hands that um, can say whatever they want to me without reservation, without... Um, positioning <laughs> without caring about how they say it. And, and my sole promise to them is that I will listen. Uh, and, and so uh, I've already had a few of those conversations in the last couple of weeks because I'm burning both ends of the candle and I know it's not healthy. Um, but I don't, I'm not really cared about, I don't care about my, <laughs> this is so ridiculous, but I just don't care about that right now. Yeah, um, and so, you know, I am a workaholic and, and if I'm not working, I feel like I am loafing or I'm not worth whatever. And I know that that's not how it should be, especially with what I talk about for a living, but we all suffer from it. And so if I am not creating, if I am not having impact, then I find it very difficult to stay motivated. And so for me, um, if I sit and watch one, one hour show without looking at my laptop or phone or whatever, um, that's a massive accomplishment for me these days. And I know that it's unhealthy. I know that I should eat better. I know that I should be working out. I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, 
but I do have the people in my life that are kicking my ass on a daily basis. And, um, and I am slowly making adjustments that, uh, that I need to, but I can't trust myself to make, uh, to make the right decision. So that's why it's so important to have people around you that love and support you. And will will speak the truth when needed, when you need to hear it. So my friends, if you guys didn't believe me that you guys were going to love brand and you're going to love this book, just the answer to that last question, because it, not only the transparency, but I believe there's a, there's a misbelief oftentimes that we, we see someone like a Brene, or we see someone that inspires us to be more productive, be, you know, check ourselves, find our purpose that they've figured it all out. And the thing I love about the book and Brandt is that he's not claiming that he's figured it all out. Mm -hmm. And not only is he not claiming that, it's part of the way that the book is structured. A lot of the way that the worksheet is even structured is that you you have to check yourself and you have to start to be more deliberate and you have to put these things into your life. But it's not going to be the answer. It's not going to fix everything. And I think this is what, you know, I, I mean, I... I get a lot of books from a lot of friends and I will buy copies and send them for, to friends because I, I think they'll be valuable. The thing that I found with this book and, and this was very interesting, like, and, and it was funny because the Jackass Whisperer, which was written by Scott Stratton, a close friend, actually the, the friend that, uh, that connected the two, yeah, mine's over here. Uh, <laughs> the friend that connected the two of us, actually the friend that uh, linked the two of us t- together with Scott Stratton. He wrote a book, Jackass Whisperer. And his whole point was it to give it to every jackass you you know you run into in the airport or wherever it was, and you give them the book. And when I finished this book, and I was kind of like sitting with it, one of the things that I felt was there were a lot of people in my life that I can be a better friend, a better um, everything, a better friend, a better brother. That if I better understand their five black sheep, and in me being the guy that wants to care and make everybody happy. It was like the reverse of every book I've ever had where I was like, I'm going to give you this book so you discover yourself better so it makes me better, allows <laughs> me to be a better person. And that's the best testimony I can give you, Brand. That's awesome, that, bud. That to me, I mean, that's it embodied awesome. everything um, in the book and everything in, you know, in who you are and your story. I, you know, it is the thing that, you know, I – I put it in college when someone, you know, my senior year in college in my fraternity, they're like, you know, what is the thing that you want, the thing that's driving you to do what you want to do in your life? And I was always like, can I great people with great people or do great shit? Like literally that was my, like I, I said it like verbatim like that. I was yes. like, that's, that's what yes. I, I love. It's, just, it's what fuels me at what I love. And um, I'm super thankful that great person like yourself came into my life and I've been able to be a part of that journey. You've impacted my life. I, I tune into everything you're doing. I love, um, you know, seeing that I, I appreciate being part of your inner circle. And like, for those that don't know, like we didn't even get into this, but like Brant and I, in my opinion, like there's very few, and this is going to be a little ego twist here that can hold a candle to my ability to present virtually. And it's because I've worked really hard at it. Brand is one of them, right? There's, there's like, and we've done some things together with some, um, we're setting the benchmark for virtual where not only does Brandt play the guitar and have multiple cameras, but everything from how he's doing whiteboarding and strategy and cameras over your head. So not only should you be buying the book, but as we look at this future and this hybrid future, and we're figuring out all this stuff, the workshops that Brandt's doing, the way that you're bringing people on a journey. Like my mission with what I'm doing in the speaker world has been, I'm tired of just being inspirational or educational. I want to, I want to, I want to get people to shift their perspective. I want to get them to do the work. And then I want to help them achieve the results, celebrate those results and move forward. And Brandt, you are doing that right now, my friend. I uh, thank you for all of your time. I know because 
like you said earlier, um, you give up your time because, uh, you know, you don't put yourself first. And I took full advantage of that. And we had a nice long episode on this. Um, but I, you know, I'm truly thankful for you jumping on, thankful for the conversation. Um, and, you know, for those that are out there, I will have all of Brant's uh, links in the comments below, the podcast, the, the book, definitely do the workshop, uh, the worksheet. Uh, it is a free worksheet and you just, you know, fill it out. It's one of those things where you start doing it, you feel like you're doing it really well. Like I'm one that like whenever someone gives me a form, I just click what's easy, right? Like, oh yeah, how did you discover me? Social media, sure. Mm -hmm. um, I did that the first time with the worksheet. And then as I went to go deeper, I was like, oh my God, I messed this up. And I went back and did it a second time. So <laughs> I'm giving people that advice there. Um, Brent, I'll kind of give you the last word. Like what are, what are your, you know, as I, I really appreciate this time, but what are your last words for the audience there? Um, and like, like I said, thanks so much for, for hanging out with me. Well, really, but my last words are for you. Um, and that's that, uh, you know, you've been a huge inspiration for me um, for, for a, a very long time, but, but especially since, you know, we've all sort of been forced into this, into this new, what life looks like. Um, and uh, you know, you're, passion for what you do, your energy level for what you do, your commitment to excellence, all of those things uh, are awesome and they make you who you are, but, but it's your heart that I love the most. Um, your, your willingness to be open and honest and just, uh, you know, for me, that's, that's what the world needs now more than anything. Uh, everything else is icing on the cake, but that's, that to me is, is what we are missing. And so, uh, thank you for, for having me, uh, letting me sort of talk to, to your friends and your family. But for me, it's, it's literally been just this incredible journey of getting to know you better over the last year. And, uh, you know, you're, you're one of my closest friends and I just, I love it. Um, I'm here to support you, you know, that and anything that you do. And, um, I just couldn't be more thankful that you, that you walked into my life a while back. Thank you, my friend. And, and I tell you what, for those that are listening, uh, that scared part being turned into, you know, some very strategic actions in my life um, that's happening now. So you guys are all going to hear throughout that journey in this podcast. I appreciate everybody that subscribes, uh, you know, leave a review, make sure you support our sponsor restream.io. They are a um, great tool. It's the first live streaming tool that I've gone all in on. Um, after doing 3,500 live streams to so check out Restream, uh, check out the little after show recap as I'm going to talk about how you guys can win uh, a copy of the Black Sheep book and stay tuned for more because this will be, you know, in my journey as pressing the damn button and we go through this, uh, I, I definitely have some work to do and I'm uh, on board to doing it because I got great people like Brant. So uh, cheers, my friends. Uh, make it a great day. Remember, nobody will ever say that you care too much. I'm curious, what are you doing in your life, in your business today to show you care about others? Make that something that you do deliberate. I promise it'll change others' lives. Till next time. Cheers.